ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Y-Pulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report. And Mary Lee Bliss, Y-Pulse's chief content officer, is here to discuss everything you need to know about how young consumer culture is feeding into food and changing what it means to be a foodie. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You are what you eat. At least that's what's been hammered into my head, except it seems like your research might be showing us that the relationship works the other direction. That is who we are or who young consumers are is changing how they're eating and how they're relating to food. But before we talk about your findings and what it all means, can you give us some information about the trend report, geographic territory you cover, the age of who you survey and the methodology you use? Absolutely. So Y-Pulse is completely focused on young consumers. And every month we do a deep dive into a new trend that we see developing, a big shift that young consumers are fueling. For each of these trend reports, we have a dedicated survey that is fielded for the North America report among 1,500 13 to 39-year-olds in the US and Canada. We also field these trends in Western Europe, and we'll be adding APAC to that Mm -hmm. region. (laughs) Expansion soon, Barry. So we are talking to a large group of young consumers in North America for the data I'll be talking through today. And the margin of error is quite small. So we're looking at real-time stats about how they feel on this topic. I love that you have so much data because it means that I can really look at the percentages and feel the priorities of Mm -hmm. the young consumers place on one thing compared to another. And it's especially helpful if we're exploring generational or gendered differences and nuances. So very helpful. So first, let's talk about foodie as a concept. One (laughs) of the things I found really interesting was the awareness split with men, especially Gen Z men, mm-hmm. not even being really familiar with the term. What do you think's behind that? Well, I think millennials have really made this term foodie a very mainstream kind of term and personality trait and culture. Mm-hmm. So we see when it comes to terms they're knowledgeable about over half of millennials know about the term foodie. For Gen Z, the awareness is not as high. And then yes, when you look specifically at Gen Z males, it's not as high. And I think that just relates to interest, Mm. but also content that they're exposed to. So if you're watching more food content and your algorithm is then going to feed you, sorry, Mm. more food content, then you're going to be more aware of these terms. So if we're looking at the trend, is it really a female-centric trend? We do see a lot of the interest in food culture and food media being female-driven. That being said, when we're looking at things like whether they use food to express themselves or if they consider themselves a foodie, overall, males and females are, are very close. For millennials, it's over half for both males and females and very close in percentages when it comes to if they consider themselves a foodie. The real differences we see are between gender. Z and millennials. 
Millennials have, as I said, made foodie a mainstream term. Many identify with it over half. This is a generation that is synonymous with avocado toast. They've really changed food culture with their social media sharing. Mm -hmm. So Instagram ability became incredibly important to food brands in the CPG space, but also QSR. Restaurants really redesigned in order to become Instagrammable spaces. Food experiences are a huge priority for millennials when we ask them where they would prefer to go and have them choose between a music festival or a food festival consistently over the course of years we have asked this and food festival wins out which to Xers and boomers I think would be an easy choice to go to the music fest but for millennials food has been a culture and it's about experience and trying new things and the majority of them are identifying with this idea of being a foodie and being passionate about food culture. But we really see a shift when it comes to Gen Z. Right. So they're not picking the the food festival. They are not. The... They are choosing the music festival. Over half would rather go to a music fest than a food fest. We don't see that they are full out rejecting food culture and foodie culture, but they're just not that into it. They're not as passionate about it as millennials. So as a researcher, you see larger trends. And so if you were to back up from it, from a sort of tectonic place, when when this crop, when these millennials were 13 to 24, did they feel differently? Was foodie culture something that they did even then? Or is it something they aged into? Well, when we look at things like how passionate they are about foodie culture, we really see that the, the number of 18 to 20 year olds who say they're a bit of a foodie, but not that invested is higher than 13 to 17 year olds. So it's really, they're not that invested in it. And I think and that is different that, that when, different. when the millennials Absolutely. were in that age bracket, they were invested. Well, let's think about context. When millennials were 18, turning going into their 20s, foodie culture was a very new thing. It was not mm the status quo that it is now. Television shows based around food competition and chefs, oh, the mm. idea of chef as celebrity. We forget how new this is. When millennials right. were growing up, this was new and exciting and different. Gen so Z is the rejection this also a generational context. rejection? Is it, is it, because I was thinking how much did it have to do with disposable income, but it almost sounds like it may be, I'm not having my father's Oldsmobile moment, if you will. <laughs> and that's an old reference, which nobody young will get, but it's a, it's a shift, right? That I'm rejecting right. what came before. I just want something new and different. Yeah. And once again, I don't, we don't see them as rejecting it. They're just not engaging in it as much because it's the norm. It's their status quo. So I they're see. not as passionate about it. We do see that both Gen Z and millennial, there's a strong feeling that millennial foodie culture is cringe, is cringy, and that millennials mm -hmm. take food too seriously. So you know, what? really funny that both of them actually feel this way, the majority of both groups. So I think overall, there's this idea that foodie culture has kind of gone too far a bit, but millennials are still indulging in it. I guess let's back up a bit. First and foremost, when thinking about food and what food itself means, what are they viewing food as? Taking yeah. out the the definition of foodie, are they similar there or do they view it differently in terms of what food is? Yeah, they view it slightly differently. When we look at 
what food means to them. Well, first of all, Gen Z is far less likely to say that they express themselves through food. So it's not as big of a part of their personality or their ha, their passions. But when we just ask straight out, what is food to you? Mm. Gen Z is less likely to say it's a passion, less likely to say it's a hobby, more likely to say it's something they just don't think about that much. And millennials are more likely to say it's something they look forward to. It's part of their personality. So Gen Mm -hmm. Z is just not as engaged in food as a culture. They're eating, they eat the things they like, but they're not really about that food experience the way that millennials have been. Hmm. Interesting. So we talked, obviously, there's this generational difference. Are there any racial differences or geographical differences that tend to pop? Yeah, so there's always slight differences, which we call out in our in our reports. We have spotlight pages for looking at BIPOC young consumers, LBGTQ plus young consumers, millennial parents. When it comes to BIPOC versus white non-Hispanic, yeah, there's definitely a different attitude towards food. It's actually that BIPOC young people are more likely to see it as a passion and are more invested. They're more likely to call it their love language. So definitely more investment emotion. That's really interesting. And I think there's probably something there for marketers to think about. How much do you think the culture of food relates to the earlier conversation we had a few months ago about wellness? I think they're intertwined. Absolutely. The food culture we are discussing in this report is really more focused on sharing food content, consuming food content, uh, being focused on what's on your plate in an experiential way. But of course, elements of wellness do pop in. And when we look at the food trends that millennials are interested in versus Gen Z, the -hmm. kind of food content that they want to watch on social media, millennials are far more likely to be interested in food content that is geared around health, which follows a lot of the things that we see in other surveys, our health and fitness survey, our, our recent wellness survey, that millennials are more concerned about weight loss. They are older. Right. <laughs> Metabolism is slower. Yes, they are. So definitely aligns with that. And I would say some of that health folk is, is age related. Well, and also it makes me think a little bit about our conversation around fit for the feed and how performative or one's social existence is and how it squares in terms of clothing. And Mm -hmm, and how it squares mm -hmm. with actual. So when young consumers are defining what a foodie is, is that is that enmeshed with posting on social? Is that part of it? Is that the cringe element? Is it going too far in the posting way, or is it I'm alone in my apartment and I'm 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 creating this (laughs) remarkable tower of asparagus? Is that cringy? What what is the cringe aspect? Is it the posting of it? Yeah. Okay. I think the the posting of it is definitely the the most identifiable cringe element because what else would they be seeing from other people? Well, they're not seeing other people create in their in their kitchens, but they're seeing people post their perfect plates and post the food that maybe they're not actually going to take a bite of afterwards or well, okay, the restaurant with the wings on the wall. Well, that's that's the next question. That's the follow-on question. It, performative social existence where you then change your clothes is the food also a performance. Are they documenting an event where they really are going to then indulge in eating this thing? Or is it just that they're documenting it? And then is it similar 
to sort of vacation, like look at the beauty of it. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, well, we've written for years about how food became cultural currency for millennials. And I think part of that was in the wake of the Great Recession, Mm -hmm. products were not attainable luxuries and food became a luxury um, for this generation. And so that highly stacked milkshake, the cronut, all of these, whether they're high end or low end, the ability to go and get that thing and to share that is, is a a brag and a a bit of cultural currency. But again, that's been Gen Z's context Mm. and their norm and they just don't see it the same way. And I think a lot of the people who go and get you know, those, those food items where there's lines doesn't happen as often right now as it used to, which again is a sign of the shifting tide that we see, I think around food culture, but still when people do go get those food items, I think many of them are eating them, but absolutely there's an element of influencer culture where people are posting things where you kind of side eye and think, are you really having a bite of that? I don't know. Right. Well, it's interesting. Food is luxury. And then that ties into relationship with food versus health and eating. Why, what are you What are you feeding? Mm-hmm. Is it a feeding a hunger? Is it feeding a hunger for something else, for some other sort of identity signaling that we're doing? Do beverages count as food? Sure. Sure. Are they, so they, they absolutely do. Now, earlier I talked about going to platforms vaguely, referencing platforms, but I've always flagged for my clients that platforms have purposes. Is there a food platform of choice? Yeah. When we ask those who are posting about food, and again, Gen Z is less likely to be Mm -hmm. posting food content overall. But when we look at those Gen Z and millennials who are posting food content, there's more differences. And we're not surprised to see that they're more likely to be posting on TikTok and Snap. But both generations are the most likely to be posting their food content on Instagram. And that really has been a huge driver of this foodie culture and the Instagram ability. It's literally right there in the name of food. And so Instagram, I think still reigns, but there's so much food content on TikTok. And I think that recipes that go viral on TikTok and then spread to other platforms, that's become incredibly common back from the COVID days of the white claw slushy and the the feta pasta, but there's always a new recipe that's going viral on TikTok. So there's a lot of activity there, but Instagram is, is number one when it comes to where they're posting their food content. Well, so here's a question for you. I always think of foodie as being a bit, there's a quality element. It's not just a recipe element. It's not just food food, food. It's, there's, there's beauty, there's, there's main character energy if you will, <laughs> in the food is, is when we're seeing food content on TikTok, I, I just don't think of TikTok as a, as a luxury show. Is it? Maybe I'm wrong. I'm old. So. No, I think there's a, a, a broader mix of food content on TikTok. And a lot of it is more about fun food hacks and things that are unexpected. And quite frankly, things that Gen Z is a little bit more likely to be interested in. What I ate in a day, seeing recipes from real people, not high-end chefs. Right. So this is maybe the difference, right? That it's it's fun food hacks sounds very different from foodie. Yeah, absolutely. To me, that's a different vibe. 
And I think probably the content that they do see, although they're not as likely to be consuming food content overall, but the content that they do see on platforms like TikTok are absolutely helping to make this difference between the generation larger because they're seeing more content that's about unusually satisfying food videos Mm. or what I ate in a day or whatever it might be and less of the perfectly posed plate because that's far more of an Instagram kind of static image moment. Right. So, I mean, hands and pans videos were always a way to get a lot of engagement. The tasty videos are human behavioral reasons for it. Quick cutting utility to solve the problem of what am I going to do for chicken tonight? But so when you really dove in and asked what people like to see, what kinds of videos did they want to engage with? And I'm really thinking about videos as opposed Mm -hmm. to still photographs. Yeah. So we asked specifically what kind of food videos do they want to see on social media? What kind of food related content? And the number one answer for both generations is how to make a meal with simple ingredients. So that's both millennials and Gen Z, but millennials are more likely to say that. Uh, They're more likely to say that they want to see meal prep Uh, content. They're more likely, honestly, to say that they want to see most food content. Exceptions Uh are Gen Z is as likely to say that they would like to see oddly satisfying food content. Think about things like cake icing videos, things that are really soothing to watch because the food is just slowly being assembled. Mm -hmm. And then they are more likely than millennials to say that they want to watch what I eat in a day post. Some of them are health focused, but often also, a lot of them are about indulgences, and there are a lot of them about what real people are eating. Interesting. When when we think about the food, let's let's back up a bit and think about how stuff is packaged. How influential is packaging when thinking about choices that yeah. people are making? So there are so many elements to this trend and so many parts of their lives that it touch because even though Gen Z is not as engaged in food media, we still wanted to know how they're shopping for food, if this Mm. is impacting the kinds of restaurants that they're choosing. So we, of course, did look at what they look for when they're buying food. And it's funny, fun packaging is definitely something we asked about. And Gen Z is more likely to say that they care about fun packaging when they're buying buying food. So again, kind of these hints that they just want food to be fun mm. and they're, it's not as serious. They, they do see, see that food culture has been taken really seriously by some and they're kind of just moving away from that and wanting food that's, that's fun and exciting, simple. They're most likely to say that they eat things that are basic. They're a little bit less adventurous. Now, what they their idea of adventurous is, is probably pretty different from previous generations. In comparison to millennials, they're less likely to say that they're adventurous eaters. How powerful is nostalgia when selling food? Yeah, very. Uh, especially, I think, with with both Gen Z and millennials. These are two generations that have really been fueled by nostalgia in a lot of ways. When you grow up during difficult times, which Gen right. Z has, when right. you enter your adulthood during difficult times, which millennials have, there's a huge tendency to look backwards. Of course, every generation looks backwards. Every generation watches a TV show that was takes place 20 years 
years in the past and thinks, oh, how great that was. Right. Um, but I think Gen Z we see bringing back fashion trends and media from the Y2K era, the late 90s. And then when they think back to their own childhoods, that's a huge motivator for what they eat now. The number one thing that both Gen Z and millennials, but definitely the top for, for Gen Z, say that they look for when they're buying food is things that they ate growing up. Hmm. Well, so there your brand awareness, build it early. Mm-hmm. When when thinking about where people are going to consume food, not when they're buying food to make for themselves, is it the same place where they go to post pictures or is it slightly different? They're going to eat at, I don't know, Taco Bell, but they're posting pictures from Balthazar. Well, I think that they're probably posting pictures of both if they are posting pictures. But once again, Gen Z less likely to be posting pictures of where they're going to eat and what they're eating. Gen Z is most likely to go out uh, to fast food restaurants when we ask where they typically eat out for a meal. Millennials, that's their top response as well. But millennials are also more likely than Gen Z to say that they typically go out to casual dining and to local, what far more likely than Gen Z to say that they go to local casual restaurants, like not chains. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gen Z, we just see kind of this preference for fast food and fast casual things that are familiar and always kind of have that same menu for them. They know what they're going to get. How much do you think financials are driving into it? I think financials absolutely play a role. It's one of the top reasons that they say that they typically eat fast food, but it's not the top reason. Being easy and convenient is the top reason. And then followed by above it's cheap is they like the food. They like eating there. Tastes good. Okay. Well, in the easy and convenient, that's that's something that is across the board. All brands need to hear that message. It's about sure. friction, reducing friction, making it easy. Mm-hmm. I always like to operationalize your work for listeners. So for brands that want to leverage these insights, first of all, can any brand or do you have to be a food brand to to learn something from this? No, I think this matters to all brands. Of course, it matters, especially for food brands. But what we've really seen as millennials have made foodie culture such a kind of pillar in terms of media and content and even fashion, when you think about how many food brands now have merch and Mm. all of the things that have kind of gotten wrapped up with food culture, a lot of brands have entered this space that were not food brands. You've seen retailers open cafes in there, in their spaces. You know, foodie culture has really changed marketing for a lot of people. And of course it changes advertising and the kind of content that you're producing, whether you're a food brand or not. When we look at what food brands are, what kind of partnerships food brands are doing, or what kind of partnerships non-food brands might want to have. When you're trying to reach Gen Z, you're probably going to want to go with those familiar chains that they prefer, right? Right. Right. And we see a lot of high-end brands or athleisure brands partnering with food brands for for merch lines and and more. And when you're thinking about what kind of partnerships would Gen Z respond to, you're probably going to want to think about the things that they ate growing up, those things that are familiar to them, and less about those high-end things. Also experiences. When you're any brand and you're going to provide an experience, you're probably going to want to think about Gen Z's other passions. Of course, they're humans and they want to eat, right. but having a completely food-focused experience, which a lot of brands have done 
to appeal to millennials is not going to be as appealing to this Gen Z audience. Interesting. And also I, when we think back to how you're packaging it, fun, yeah. simple, how you're marketing it, nostalgia, leaning into some of these other things. Anything else? What would you say another last takeaway for listeners? Yeah, I think, again, really understanding that it's not an outright rejection. They're not, they don't hate millennial food culture, but just that it's it's not as big of a passion. It's not driving them in the same way. So really understanding Gen Z's other passions, I think is really important. Music is a huge driver for this generation. It's something that drives their fandoms, but also something that they use for mental health, for anxiety management, and something that we really see as a a constant when we ask them what's driving them. So gaming is another one, but really brands should be aware that there are other passions. If you're a food brand that you can tap into for this generation in order to appeal to them. And a lot of brands have the celebrity meals that McDonald's and Chipotle and others have done. Many of those, most of them are in partnership with musicians and they have brought in the fandoms of those musicians really successfully. So there's a lot of other things that food brands can tap into and should be doing. Well, excellent food for thought. So (laughs) thank you for joining me in conversation. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend, Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.